0: While you're standing, if you could find Psalm 100 in your Bibles, Psalm 100 toward the center of your Bible, we'll read the very scripture that that song was based upon, perhaps a favorite hymn of many. And you'll see the title of the psalm is a psalm for giving thanks And so it might prepare us for this week ahead. Let me read Psalm 100 for us. Uh, This is God's word. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. And his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. This is God's word for us this morning. You may be seated. And let me pray for us as we approach God's word. Lord, would you shape us now by the preaching of your word. Would you retune our hearts to your praise? And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The year was 1914, and it was not long after the sinking of the Titanic that Congress convened a hearing to discern what happened in yet another nautical tragedy that year. In January... In thick fog off the Virginia coast, the steamship Monroe was rammed by the merchant vessel Nantucket and eventually sank. Forty-one sailors lost their lives in the frigid winter waters of the Atlantic. And while it was Captain Barry of the Nantucket who was arraigned on the charges, in the course of the trial, Captain Johnson was grilled on the stand for over five hours. During cross examination, it was learned, as the New York Times reported, that Captain Johnson, quote, navigated the Monroe with a steering compass that deviated as much as two degrees from the standard magnetic compass. He said that the instrument was sufficiently true to run the ship and that it was the custom of masters of the coastwide trade to use such compasses. His steering compass had never been adjusted in, in the one year that he was master of the Monroe. And our author here uh, offers this commentary. The faulty compass that seemed adequate for navigation eventually proved otherwise. This realization partly explains a heartrending picture recorded by the Times, quote, later the two captains met, clasped hands, and sobbed on each other's shoulders. The sobbed of these two burly uh, seamen are a moving reminder of the tragic consequences of misorientation. Uh, The reminder for us is this, if the heart is like a compass, we need to regularly calibrate our hearts, tuning them to uh, to be directed to the creator, our magnetic north. There's something about thanksgiving and praise that that retunes our hearts uh, in the act of doing it. Uh, There's a reason that there's so many psalms that call us to praise the Lord, uh, so many psalms that call us to thanksgiving, like this psalm uh, does. And then we know in our own lives uh, the consequences of having a heart that's not tuned just right. Um, it, it's almost more dangerous, you know, when, when we've really wandered off the path. It, it's pretty obvious when someone helps us get back on the path. But when it's just a little bit off, so that when we get bumped into a little bit, we snap. Or... Um, Or we're just not quite attentive to someone who's trying to share something with us. Or uh, we go into a Thanksgiving family meal where perhaps there's tensions and other things going on and maybe we're not the best witness to Christ that week. That's what happens when our, our hearts are even a little bit off. What would it look like to reorient our hearts? I think Psalm 100 offers a chance to do this. I think the psalmist is calling us to do what we're called to do in all of life. Our whole life is meant to be praise and thanksgiving to the Lord, not just when we gather together. And I think the psalmist is calling us to that. And so will you come with me as we look at Psalm 100? Uh, will you be willing, uh, as we sang in Come Thou Found, you know, tune my heart to sing thy praise? What would happen this week? What, what could happen in our Thanksgiving gatherings if our hearts were retuned back where they need to be, focused on God, our Creator? And so you'll see the point of the message this morning. Come near to God with thankful praise. Come near to God with thankful praise. And, and each point will break down each part of that. Uh, but the three points are really just three reasons that the psalmist gives us. Uh, why should we come near to him? Why should we come near with thankful praise? Number one, because he is God. Uh, because he is God. Uh, you'll see the call to praise happens in verses 1 and and two, and then in verse four. And uh, look at all of these um, commands that were given. Uh, just scroll with me through the, the Psalm. See if you can count with me how many commands that were given. Uh, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. That's one. Number two, serve the Lord with gladness. Number three, come into his presence with singing. Uh, go to verse four, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, that's five, and bless his name. Did we miss one? Where where did we miss one? Verse three, know that the Lord, he is God. And so we have this call to thankful, joyful, glad praise, which depending on where you're at in life, is, is either just a rousing amen to that, or it's like when a really happy song comes on the radio and you are not in the mood, <laughs> uh, you switch to something else. <laughs> uh, because when you're in that place, it, it, it could be grating to hear someone say, just be happy, you know, be glad, be joyful, if our hearts are not in the right place or if we're just in a hard place. But the psalmist here is making no apologies, and, and we'll nuance that later, but he's saying, make a joyful noise. Not just God's people, but all the earth. Uh, serve him with gladness, right? Not begrudgingly. Uh, come into his presence with singing. I mean, that's what we've been doing already this morning. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Bless his name, give thanks to him. These, uh, these commands then uh, form a structure for us. There's seven commands. And as Hebrew poets like to do, they like to put things right in the middle of the psalm. And so you have three commands calling us to praise and thank and with gladness. And that's repeated in verse 4 with three more commands. So what's the middle command? Know that the Lord, he is God. That's really the central command of this psalm. If we're going to give thanks to him, if we're going to praise him, if our hearts are going to be retuned, we have to go right to the heart of it. We need to remember that he is God. That he is God. We need to know it. And knowing isn't just mental capacity. Uh, remember, the, the demons know that God is God. But they don't know him personally. Or they don't love him. As we'll see later, they don't belong to him. And really, this knowing itself is an act of worship. So it, it, the structure of the psalm, you have verses 1 and 2, praise the Lord, thank the Lord. Verses, verse 3, why? Why? because he's God. And we'll see even more than we're his and we're the sheep of his pasture. And then verse four, praise the Lord, thank him, bless him. Verse five, why? For the Lord is good, we'll see later in the psalm. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. I mean, verse five, you could see that that itself is praise. Just to say that God is good, his steadfast love endures forever to declare those things is worship, right? You're not just reciting facts and then you can get back to the worship part. Or to put it another way, uh, in verse 4, he's saying, praise the Lord. And then he's like, look, let's do it. So praise the Lord. Verse 5, he's praising the Lord. Verses 1 and 2, praise the Lord. Verse 3, he's doing it and we're doing it. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. To declare who God is. Isn't just a mental activity, it is worship. To confess the name of the Lord is worship. Later we'll use the Apostles' Creed and those other creeds we use, the Nicene Creed. Um, and, and it's a good reminder that when we recite those, we're not just it's not just a statement of faith that says we agree to these things, and just the act of doing it is an act of worship. And because we're saying, God, this is who you are, this is who Jesus is, this is who the Holy Spirit is. And so we praise him by this. And so number one uh, is that we, uh, we come near with thankful praise because he is God, because he is God. We need to know that and declare that. And when we do that, we can come near to him with thankful praise, with thankful praise. Uh, we, we said earlier, you know, that our culture in one sense gets some of it right this week. Uh, we could celebrate uh, that as a culture, you know, there's an awareness of Thanksgiving. And, you know, if you had a microphone and a video camera and you went around the streets and asked people, should you be thankful? They would probably say yes. You know, are you thankful? Yes. What are you thankful for? And you might get various things. My family, that's a good thing to be thankful for. Roof over my head. Uh, but, but generally, you're going to get more a, a sort of a A more broad sense of it's just good to be thankful, right? Uh, We're thankful sort of in general, but the Christian has a a specificity to their thankfulness. Uh, We're not just thanking nobody, we're thanking God and we're thanking him very specifically for his son Jesus. We're thanking him, yes, for a roof over our head and for family, all the good things that he blesses us with. And this becomes an antidote as we're trying to retune our hearts it's an antidote for the anxious scrolling that we can do. Sometimes when we have time off of work, just we can gravitate toward scrolling through the news or scrolling through social media. And thankfulness is, is like the opposite of that. Thanking God for the, the good things that he's given us. Uh, it's an antidote for the pharisaical thanking that we looked at a few weeks ago. I remember the Pharisee who said, God, I thank you that I'm not like them. But true thankfulness cuts to the heart of that. and says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner, and says, God, I thank you that you have saved me, a sinner. Would you do the same for others? Uh, thankfulness is an antidote for bitterness and grumbling. Right? It's, it, it's impossible to grumble and to give thanks sort of in the same sentence. They don't fit together. It's like oil and water. One's going to crowd out the other one in our hearts. And so let's follow the call of the psalmist here to, to give thanks to our Lord, to come near to him because he is God. Number two, uh, why else do we come near to him? Because he is good, because he is good, right? If verse three is both an act of praise and a reason for praise, then verse five is also that. It is praise, but the reason that we're called to praise and thank is because the Lord is good his steadfast love remember his covenant love his his promised love his never-ending never failing love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations so if verse 3 is to know god and and his very nature and character versus verse 5 is is his character his goodness and it's interesting when you think of where this psalm is placed It's placed in the Psalter in an interesting place. If you thumb back with me uh, to Psalm 89, just to visualize this. We haven't talked a lot about this, but the Psalter is organized in five books, collections of Psalms. And uh, some of them are very standalone. It it could be read sort of at any time. But uh, you have these breaks of these different books. Psalm 89 ends... uh, uh, sort of on a on a dour note. It, in verse forty nine, it says, "Lord, where is your steadfast love of old? Which by your faithfulness you swore to David. Remember, O Lord, how your servants are mocked, and how I bear in my heart the insults of all the many nations, with which your enemies mock, O Lord." And so, Psalm eighty nine, book three, ends that way. Where is the steadfast love of the Lord? We don't see it. We're not feeling it. But then book four opens. uh, Look at Psalm 90, verse one. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Uh, Do you see the shift in tone? Uh, Book four becomes an answer to the end of book three. No, no, no. His steadfast love is still active among us. And Psalms 90 through about 100, uh, a little bit more past that. Psalm 90 through 100 are these royal psalms, these psalms about uh, uh, God as <clears throat> the King of kings and Lord of lords, as, as Him raising up His anointed one that we know as Jesus, as the King of kings and Lord of lords. Psalm 93 uh, 2 says, Your throne is established from of old, you are from everlasting. Or Psalm 95, 1 through 3, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise. This sounds familiar, right? With songs of praise, for the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. Or Psalm 96, 3, Declare his glory among the nations his marvelous work among all the peoples. Or 97.5, the mountains melt like wax before the Lord of all the earth. Psalm 99.5, exalt the Lord our God, worship at his footstool, holy is he. One commentary I read by a man named Dr. Mark Futato says this, the crescendo of praise that has been building since Psalm 93 reaches a climax in psalm 100 and as it reaches this climax we've been thinking of god as king and we come to psalm 100 this call to praise and to sing we are told we sing because he is god and number two because he is good and because he is good and uh, dr Frutado again helps draw these out the quoting from some of these kingly psalms that we just looked at the king who is robed in majesty and puts on strength as a belt is good and the god of vengeance psalm 94 is good and the great king above all gods is good and the god who will judge all the peoples with equity is good and the god with uh, before whom all gods must bow down is good The God whose steadfast love endures forever, we see in this psalm, is good. The God whose faithfulness endures to all generations is good. The God who made us to be his people is good. And the God who shepherds us every day is good. That's why we sing. Uh, That's why we have joy. That's why we can give thanks in his name, because he is Good. He is not evil. He is good. He is not malicious. He is good. He is not impatient with you. But he's working among you. And he's retuning your heart. And he's steadfast in his love for you. And so because he is good, we can come near to him. We can come near to him with joyful praise. We could serve him with gladness. Not serve him out of Sort of a, a fear that uh, you know maybe if I serve him enough maybe then he'll look upon me. We can bring a joyful noise to him, not a not a timid noise, not a wondering is he even listening? Because he's the God who is steadfast in his love toward us. His faithfulness to us goes to all generations. So we can come near to him. He is steadfast. He is faithful. He is safe. And so we praise him, we thank him because he is God, because he is good. And number three, because we are his. And because we are his. Let's look again at verse three. So we said that the center Command of the psalm is to know that the Lord is God. Uh, but there's, there's even more so a center to this psalm. Uh, and this isn't in every psalm, so don't start looking for this in every single psalm. You might get into trouble. The central meaning of this psalm is the. Um, but if you count the words in Hebrew, there's a word right in the center of this psalm. And, and I think the psalmist did this on purpose. I think it's 20 words before and after. And it's, let me read verse 3, and then I'll tell you where the center is. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Perhaps even your English translation helps you. It's that line, and and we are his. We belong to him. And so you see this progression, you know, he is God, one exclamation point, (laughs) and we are his, two exclamation points, and we are his people, the sheep of his pasture, th- three or infinite, wh- whatever you want to put, right? It would be enough just to know that he is God and to know him personally, but that we are his, we belong to him. And not just in a sort of generic way, but he is our shepherd. And he watches over his sheep. And, and, and thinking of shepherds and sheep, I mean, it, it's hard not to think of Psalm 23, and that is one of those other handful of psalms where there's a center to Psalm 23, and it's very similar, right? We think of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Uh, and then the, it shifts in verse five, you prepare a table before me. So he's our, he's our shepherd, he's our host, he's providing for us. But the middle of that psalm, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For what? For you are with me. That's the center of Psalm 23. In a very similar way to Psalm 100. They make a joy, there's these loud, cosmic proclamations of joy. And at the very center of the psalm is this a quiet, steadfast anchor for our soul that we are His. We belong to Him. And we belong to Him not in a generic way, We belong to him because Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, the good shepherd, came and he laid down his life for the sheep, right? Thieves would come in and kill and steal and destroy. No, no, no. He came to give life and give it abundantly. And he gave life to us at the cost of his own life. By the way, as an act of praise to God so that all who believe in him are called by name by the great shepherd and belong to him. We're adopted, as scripture tells us, so that we belong to him, so that his steadfast love, his covenant love, is something that we can rightly claim. Any promise found in scripture finds its yes and amen in Christ Jesus if we belong to him. And we belong to him by having faith in his son who died in our place so that we can come near to him with joyful praise. You know, you see all those, make a joyful noise, come to him with gladness. And perhaps you've come in this morning with a heavy heart. And, and the word joy and the word gladness doesn't seem to fit where you're at this morning. Right? Is, is the psalmist calling us to uh, sort of fake it? <laughs> Come to church and smile. Is that what he's calling us to? Remember, when you think of the whole Psalter, I uh, remember we, we looked at like Psalm 13. How long, O oh Lord? Will you forget me forever? we saw that Psalm 89, and these aren't just five of the Psalms. It's about a third of the Psalms are these laments. And so the psalmist isn't naive. The psalmist doesn't think. Um, uh, that God's people, as they gather together in worship, um, are all filled with the same level of a circumstantial joy, or uh, that they're not bringing heavy hearts. But that's really the good news of this, because remember we said that verse three is praise, right? And so even if even if the amount of air coming out of your lungs in joyful praise is is smaller than maybe it was a month ago or last year, you can declare with your lips and certainly in your heart that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. That is worship. That's joyful praise. And, and maybe at certain points in life, that's, that's, all that, that's all that you can get out. Lord, I know that you're God and I trust you And this is heavy. Will you help me? That is praise. That's not something you do and then later you praise. That is praise to the God to whom you belong. And so as we look at the heart of this psalm, that we are his, we can come before him then in joyful praise. In the fall of 1863, President Abraham Lincoln issued two landmark statements. The first was the famous Gettysburg Address, uh, but the other statement, uh, sometimes less well-known, given just weeks before, on October 3rd, 1863, uh, President Lincoln instituted the first official Thanksgiving holiday uh, in the United States. Lincoln wrote, "It, It has seemed fitting to me and proper that the gracious gifts of the Most High God should be solemnly, reverently, and gratefully acknowledged, as with one heart and one voice, uh, by the whole American people. Thus, Lincoln set apart the last Thursday of November as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father. Apparently, in the midst of the worst war our nation had ever seen, Lincoln thought the time was ripe for gratitude. And lest we think that Lincoln was naive or not addressing the times, uh, Lincoln candidly addressed the horrors of the Civil War, a war of unequaled magnitude and severity that had transformed tens of thousands of Americans into widows, orphans, mourners, sufferers, and this lamentable civil strife. But he coupled this hardship with hope, recognizing the hand of God, guiding them through the valley of the shadow of death. Conflict and gratitude hardship and hope Lincoln wasn't confused he was seeing thanksgiving through a biblical lens uh, Christians as we are here gathered and as we go this week into our different gatherings and, and uh, some of it joyful some of it challenging I know that relationships could be strained this time of year what would it look like to retune our hearts. I know I need it. To retune our hearts by giving thanks to our God, remembering that he is God, that he is good, and that we are his, we belong to him. Uh, Let's go to him in prayer now, and uh, we'll begin preparing our hearts for the Lord's Supper. Let's pray. And God, we thank you for your word, uh, that it reminds us who you are, it reminds us whose we are, I pray that you would tune our hearts to sing your praise, not just here, but as we scatter then back into our families and our communities this week, that we truly would witness to the gospel of Jesus as we, with joyful and and, and gracious and, and hearts full of gratitude, praise your name this week. I pray this in Jesus' name.